This is episode 29 of the Simply Sabbath podcast. Rest doesn't have to be a four-letter word. If you feel like you're about to break from exhaustion, let me invite you to Simply Sabbath, a podcast for the burnt-out Christian mom who longs to get back to the core of who she is and to reclaim the deep joy and stabilizing peace Jesus has for her in her every day without the mom guilt that often accompanies self-care practices. Hi, my name is Rachel Fehrenbach, and I help busy moms just like you add a simple rest-filled family Sabbath to their week so they can experience a refueling that gives them exactly what they need to live the life that God has called them to. I'm so glad you've joined me today. Let's get to it. I've noticed over the many conversations I've had with other women about Sabbath that there is often a worry about doing it wrong. I get that. We know the Sabbath is to be kept holy, but we really don't understand what that means, and so we're afraid we're going to mess it all up. I often say that Sabbath is a gift wrapped up in a command, but I want to focus today more on the fact that it is also a practice. And just like with any practice, it's the goal is not perfectionism. It is progress, a movement forward towards Jesus and embracing the rest he offers, which is why I'm excited that my friend Nancy Lerma is joining us today to talk about how she and her husband are, in her words, stumbling through it. Nancy Lerma flies the banner of truth as a writer, speaker, storyteller, and teacher. She loves to invite others into a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus And she has served as an associate teaching director for community Bible study and has been a speaker for MOPS groups. She and her husband, Ron, have been married for 33 years and live with their black lab hacker in the Central Valley of California. Nancy loves to play tennis, swim, and feed family and friends with farm to table slow cooking. I wish I lived closer. (laughs) She and Ron have four young adult children, three that are married and two very adorable grandchildren. Thank you so much for being here today, Nancy. I am very excited to dive into our conversation today. I think it's going to be really beneficial to not only those who are worried about getting started in a Sabbath practice, but also those of us who are, have young kids, you are on the other side of it. You have grown adult children, and I think you have some wisdom that you are going to share with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here and um, I'm honored. So thanks for asking. I wish I would have been your age and studying Sabbath. So I think it's wonderful the quest that you have to share this um, practice and make it a normal thing for Christian life. Oh, yes. Make it a normal thing. Yes, exactly. I just, (laughs) I'm hoping that it becomes just a part of our rhythms within the church in the U.S. and in the Western world. I know that there's some churches in other countries that do this and they do it well. Um, so I hope that that becomes more a cultural norm here. Why don't we start by having you um, kind of define what Sabbath means to you and your journey to start practicing it? Okay, well, Sabbath um, to me is setting aside a specific time, a day of the week, um, based on the seven-day week, to focus on on God and to rest and to leave aside commerce. I think it's really connected to leaving aside what's considered your daily work, whether it be Mm. um, stay-at-home mom's type of work or it be your avenue of um, income. So to me, that's a really 
large connector mm. of what Sabbath is to me. So how did you guys start practicing Sabbath? Cause this is not, not been a very long practice for you. It's relatively recent that you started practicing Sabbath. No, I really kind of always thought like the Sabbath, I had misinterpreted some of the new Testament scriptures I'm mm. um, thinking that the Sabbath was completed with Christ because now we have rest. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that we're physically exhausted as a culture and society and at my household, and we can just go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I just, I think I had a realization that I function so much better when I have rest and start. And I've just been connecting our spiritual journey with living on earth. Mm-hmm. And having it be that not only is it the divine invisible, but it's also the physical, you know, boots on the ground kind of thing. So yes, that was the, the real pull to it is trying to make faith, um, put feet on faith. Oh, I love that. Put feet on faith. Yes, <laughs> that is, that is a very, I like that imagery. That's a very cool image. <laughs> so you had come to a realization that maybe you had misinterpreted some scriptures into thinking that it just completely done done away with. And so you decided, okay, I'm going to set aside this day a week. How did you go about doing that? Did you just like say, okay, I'm doing it. Or did you have conversations with your family? Like, or what happened? Well, first of all, I didn't think it was done away with. I thought it was completed. And I think mm. that's a really big difference. Like the sacrificial system was completed in Christ because mm-hmm. I don't think anything is, I think everything's relevant through old and new scripture. Mm-hmm. So I thought there was a completion of it rather than a practice of it. But what I don't, I think I just stopped like doing laundry, like kind of like in like me alone. It's like, okay today, I'm not going to do the laundry. Well, I'm still going to do the dishes, but I'm not going to do the laundry. Yeah. So it was almost like baby steps toward doing something different than I would usually do. And just say, I'm really, just, I'm just not touching that today. I'm going to mm-hmm. wait till tomorrow. And so I think it started that small. Um, and then whenever my kids recently, my last um, child got married this summer and everybody finished college. I've had kids in college for 15 years. So like, Ooh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You can't even, I know it's like, I can't even imagine. Well, I think you had a couple of kids do like grad school, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had a lot go on. So anyway, I'm just with this spread of them and the one starting all the way to the last one finishing. Yeah. So, um, that, so I think that we're just having more time at home to focus on what's our new rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband, he's a, he's an Enneagram eight. And so his energy level is like probably 10 times more than my natural. I'm a seven. Okay. Um, I like to play. So Sabbath kind of, to me, has a connotation of rest and you can laugh and have a good meal together. And so Mm -hmm. I love that whole aspect of the celebration of Sabbath. My husband really loves to work. I mean, he loves to work. He likes to work. If he's not working on his work work, he's working on a side gig or a home project. Wow. Yeah. And he just likes to do that. Mm -hmm. So to bring it up was an interruption for him. And then he would um, kind of go off on the dialogue. Well, you want me to do this for you? And I would have to try to pull back and say, well, not really, you know, we're not on a timeline. And so a lot of the communication um, part around it, I had to be soft, mm. um, just be soft and say, well, you can do what you want and not do it like in a passive aggressive way, but this is what I'm going to do today. And, and it felt so like wrong to say, what are you doing today? Nothing. 
Yeah. And he would look at me. I felt like it was like, oh, that's like a loser thing to say. (laughs) 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 I'm going to be a hundred percent non-productive. And I think as Americans, that feels really uncomfortable. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So Um, those are the beginnings of our, you know, how long ago was this conversation? Probably uh, maybe six months ago. Well, my okay. daughter was married this summer. And so I think we, st- I think I started on my own. So really actually just summertime whenever everybody was really gone. It was funny today when I was asking him, well, so what do you think of Sabbath? I was telling him about, I was going to be interviewed on this podcast and he's like so positive about it. It almost cracked me up. I almost <laughs> wanted to say, okay, really? Like this is the same person, which yeah you know, a couple months ago had other thoughts about it, but I think it's really beautiful because I think the Lord woos us into his commandments. And when it talks about Mm -hmm. in Galatians that we no longer follow the law, but the law comes out of us from the spirit. And so I think I really see that taking place that Mm -hmm. when it is the living out the law through the Holy spirit, we want to do what God wants us to do. And I am seeing that transformation become part of his thought process, which is really cool. That is really cool. And just a testament to how when we show up consistently to a practice that puts us in the presence of God and puts us in a space where we can enter into that presence with God, how that shapes and molds us. And refines and re reframes things for us. I do think it is very wise of you to acknowledge the way that your husband's wired, knowing that the way in which he's wired is how you are going to have to approach the conversation of Sabbath. You weren't to push hard against it was not the right approach for him. And I think there's wisdom in that. I know that when, um, I first brought up Sabbath to my husband, Fortunately, we were in a Bible study and we were learning about Sabbath together. It was a Bible study on, on the 10 commandments. And so it just happened to be one of the weeks that the pastor preached on it. And we had the conversation in a small group. And as we were walking out a small group, my husband asked me like, this conversation is not done. Is it? And I'm like, I don't think it is. <laughs> but then the conversations from there, then in there out, like it had to be very informative, like when we had these conversations, he's like, I need you to explain how this is going to happen. And like, he just needed a lot of the information um, before he could wrap his head around it. And so I think there's wisdom in this conversation right now for those listeners who haven't started a Sabbath practice. And they're wondering how do they talk to their spouse about doing this in their families? First step is maybe, well, first pray about it. The second step is to consider how your spouse is wired and what would be the best way to approach that conversation with your spouse, um, just like you would need to do with any kind of conversation. But taking that into consideration is a very wise suggestion. I think, I don't know if, um, do children listen to your podcast? Do children? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Because it wouldn't be appropriate. It's not a bad conversation, but it wouldn't be a children's conversation. But Just I go remember, for it. All right. I remember my college roommate, she told me that she, her parents, every Sunday, they got home from church and they had their alone Sabbath time. Okay. Alone <laughs> <No>. Sabbath time? <laughs> and you know so what my the, parents called that? What? They, they would always tell us, we're going to go talk about buying you a pony. 
<laughs> That's what they told us. That's really sweet. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, I had that in the back of my mind. So with Ron, I was thinking, okay, to lure him into Sabbath, like no kids are home. Like, you know, this is going to be a great day. And I just had great like snacks. I actually had a really nice bottle of wine, which we don't, he doesn't drink hardly at all, but a little, you know, he, yeah. he sure enjoyed a nice glass of wine on the Sabbath. It yes. was fun. And so we just yes. kind of turned it into something celebratory versus yes. I have to. And yes. I love in Galatians, I, I no, it's not, it's in Colossians. I recently read Colossians two, and it's talking about don't judge how they do the, um, the Sabbath, the festival, yes. and yes. there's a third thing, but it wasn't saying not to do it. Exactly. It was and saying don't judge how, and I just thought that was like amazing. Yes. I recently read, and I forget who it was who said that I'm going to have to look at what book I was reading recently that talked about this because they said so often people read that passage and they think, oh, this is, you know, Paul saying that we don't need to do these things. Um, kind of that, that doing away thing that I said earlier. Um, right. But when you really look at the context of it all, he wasn't saying you can stop doing these things. He was saying it's going to look different because now different cultures are coming into the family. And yeah. when they come into the family, they're going to bring different perspectives and different ways in which they worship and the ways that which they connect with God. And so right. they're going to have to navigate that and so the, right. it, it's really about being sensitive to the cultures that were coming into the family of God at that time and I thought that's such a beautiful way to think about it especially for those of us who are in um, cultures where Sabbath is not the norm in our churches right. where right. it's not even really embraced at all and right. um, for those of us we don't have any cultural context for it and so when we're talking about, well, what it, could it look like? What should it look like to take a step back and say, oh, there's freedom in this. It doesn't have to look a certain way that right. there is a sensitivity and um, almost a culture creating opportunity right. for right. us in this, in these really areas. Connecting to that in um, Isaiah 56, it talks about um, yeah. the eunuch and the childless woman. Mm. And God inviting them into Sabbath and promising blessing that they, that he would honor their sacrifices, honor their, their Sabbath. Yes. And all the way back then it was bringing in the foreigner into Sabbath. Mm. It was bringing in for all people. Um, and yes. I just, I, I think it's just a beautiful part of the heart of God to offer that gift of um, Sabbath mm -hmm. rest to all his people. And yes. he came through the Jews and he showed us how, through their culture, but he offered it all along for all of us. Yes. And I, and I, and I like what you said, and I want to circle back to it about making it a celebratory time with your husband, a time of enjoyment. And, um, because I think that's really what's reflected in the garden when God originally created the seven day rhythm, he created, he worked, and then he dwelled with his creation. And essentially he kind of got to hang out and play with them and enjoy the creation that he had made, you know, right. and it's really pointing people back to that, like original, original design, original identity that they were given yeah. to work and then dwell deeply in that creation and to enjoy right. it. Like right. don't forget right. to enjoy it. Don't get so caught up in working that you forget to enjoy it. 
there's so much benefit. I mean, every time I look at the Sabbath, there is always attached a beautiful benefit for following the Sabbath. Yeah. So what kind of benefits have you seen in your own life as you've been practicing? Um, I think I've just seen a closeness in Ron and I, you know, really Mm -hmm. like I, I feel like we've, our communication is enriched. And so we've been able to talk a little bit about, about um, what next steps we want. And also that we really have spent the last, um, I don't know, 15 years really going on vacation to see kids graduate from college, visit them and, we might do a, a large family trip or it might be for a wedding and our travel hasn't really ever been setting aside time for he and I. So mm-hmm. it's really a beautiful time to establish a deeper love being empty nesters, which is a hard time because you love spending. I mean, it's, I love all that time. It's fantastic having mm-hmm. a large family and having the opportunity to travel a lot because of the mm-hmm. things my kids have done. Um, but it also, there's this place of, originally like in the garden it starts just with a husband and wife and that relationship needs to be nurtured so I really see a nurturing of our relationship it's almost like a built-in date night yeah (laughs) yeah it is it is and spending time like a purposeful time together where we don't we're not you know on our schedule Mm -hmm. We, we kind of connect every day every morning we have connecting points but they usually have a lot of other people involved prayers and to do and Mm -hmm. and this just seems like a much longer relaxed day to enjoy they just get to be together there's no expectation Yeah. yeah yeah so what does a typical sabbath look like for you guys We've been doing a Sunday, so we'll get up and go to church. Um, we'll go to late church, um, come home, have breakfast. One one day we went to walk by our river that's kind of close by, Kern River, and I everybody and their grandma was out there, and it wasn't that <laughs> it, was, it wasn't really all that relaxing. But we we got to walk and circle back instead of we'll go swimming at home and yeah, you know, just looking. We're looking for what we can, you know, what things we want to do. Um, so. With that's not really far from home. And then we, we actually did a weekend to the beach and met up with my younger son and his girlfriend. We spent three days there and that felt so much like a Sabbath. And mm. we just took him out to really nice meals and relax, swam in the ocean. And it was wonderful. Yeah. And I think we kind of had, if we had not been already in that mode, it would have been harder um, to go and actually even do that weekend. So just set our mind in a different pace. And I don't know what you think, but I know the land needs Sabbath. Like when mm-hmm. it's talking about in Deuteronomy, it talks about giving the land a Sabbath. Oh, rest. yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's different time periods. And I, and the time where the um, Israelites are asked to pack their food and wine and drink and go for two weeks and worship God. And, and mm-hmm. in a sense, like that's the first vacation and it's actually right. related to the first tithe. Mm. of giving and so it's connected once again to provision Um, yeah which is amazing that so did you ask me how I I always go to the big picture instead because I'm such I mean I'm a I'm like a global person no you're fine so I move move into metaphors really fast (laughs) no you're fine I actually love that you keep going back to the big picture because I think it speaks to the fact that you recognize God's heart for us with the gift of Sabbath. And you're saying like, I do these things because of this great love God has for me. I get to go spend the day at the beach with my kid and my husband 
because God is offering that to me. And I love the fact that you do that because I think so often we can get caught up in the, okay, how do we Sabbath? How do we, sorry, I'm like tearing up because like, it's just so true. Like to really embrace the fact that God has gifted us this rest, gifted us this opportunity to just enjoy and just be and connect with him and connect with others. I truly do believe there is a community aspect to Sabbath. So I like the fact that you are opening to doing that with others as well as with just you and your husband. But when we really embrace just the love that he offers us through this gift, I mean, that's why we do it. I like to say, we're not fighting culture just so that we can take a nap, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, that's not what this is about. This is not about just getting a nap. This is about something so much deeper and so much richer. And we just skim the surface of it. Like you started talking about the other Sabbath. Like I don't even get into that with the stuff I talk about and write about in this podcast, but it's like, there is so much to Sabbath. And when you start peeling back all those onions and all those layers, you're like, Oh man, there's a lot more here tied to identity and purpose and belonging and how this world was crafted for us to exist in it. And just all those pieces and it can get really, really deep, really fast. (laughs) I think it's that micro and the macro, like there's our weekly Sabbath, you know, and then there's, and I, and I do, I love that what you're saying, it's, it's different than, um, self-care, even though self-care is part of what we do, but that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Like if it's only self-care, that's not filling the spiritual heart Um, it's like that big drink and the drinking from a spring that has satisfying water. And Mm. when you include God in that rest, it's so satisfying and you're not thirsty anymore. Whereas if you just continue to self-care, why do you need another, you just need more and more and more. It's almost an insatiable. And I'm really not at all dissing self-care because I love having my you know, toes done and things like that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, I think yeah. in, specifically in cultures that are more hurried and more hustle-based cultures, like that of the U.S. and most of the Western world, um, we tend to associate self-care with basic physical needs, like mm-hmm. for burnt-out moms, right? What do we often tell them? Go take a shower, mm-hmm. get a nap, get some sleep, like. At some point, you know, sometimes you don't, you are sleep deprived in certain seasons of motherhood. Yeah. It's like basic physical care. Like if we would, if we neglected our kids, the way we sometimes neglect our physical needs, we would have some people knocking on our doors being like, um, so I think that we've like twisted this idea of self-care, not realizing that this is just like basic physical responsibility for yourself. And there's nothing selfish about that because it's a responsibility to care for the body that God's given you, but that's only one part of all of this. Just one part of our humanness. It's like our, our emotional care and our spiritual care and those they have as much value. They all matter. They all matter. And Sabbath matters in a way that is very holistic, but also Mm -hmm. it just allows a level of being that our culture just does not give space for right allows a level of processing that our Mm -hmm. world does not Mm -hmm. give space for and it allows a level of connection that our culture i think sometimes 
brushes aside is not as important. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's that Hebronic way of even like when in education, everything, it's so approaching things holistically. Mm. Um, and I just think that we're, we're kind of trained in a Greek world, you know, our education yep. system and everything yep. else. And so we're linear. If this is true, this can't be true. But sometimes mm. these both things can be true. Yeah. You know, in, in Hebrew, because yeah. when you start to understand the depth of um, truth, mm. um, the Sabbath is something that includes multiple things. Mm. It includes physical and it includes that spiritual. It's just, it is, um, it's, there's a bit of a mystery in Sabbath. I think you might have yes. even used that. And I just think that's part of the wonder of it, you know, mm. makes me want to want to dive in deeper, you know? Yes. Yes. And, and I like that you're normalizing Sabbath. I think it always was supposed to be normal. And I don't know how, I think once we start working at sin management and trying to be good, that leads to like a doing like a check yeah. off, checking things off your list for God, mm-hmm. which you can't Sabbath that way. Yes. I mean, it doesn't even fit. And I think there's something about the fact that often Sabbath was the worship piece of the week for the Israelites. Mm. You do Sabbath and then there's synagogue and there's learning that is attached to it. And it's kind of all tied up together, this connection with God and with each other and like a gratitude for his provision Mm. and a remembrance of what he's done. And I think that, um, that rest as worship we've lost that in our churches. And so I think there's that mystery for us because we we just don't have the context for it. Right. Yeah. I think one of the other things like seeing Sabbath connected to provision, mm-hmm. you know, and saying that when I stop doing what brings income into my home, it's saying yeah. that God is the provider. And that's one of the things really kind of mysteriously with us. We had an old truck that was my dad's that we had to sell. We couldn't get it, the smog passed in California because all of the laws. Yep. And so we just couldn't sell this truck to save our life. And we didn't want to spend another thousand dollars to put the catalytic converter on it. Right. <laughs> so this is after we started doing Sabbath. So one morning, Ron gets up at five in the morning and look, came in, in my, in the room and said, I thought you just left because a truck just drove down the street. And so somebody came and drove our truck down oh my the gosh. street, took it, <laughs> stole it. Yeah. And so all this happened. It was like, it was almost funny. I, la- I laughed because I thought we couldn't get rid of it. Thank goodness it's stolen. I knew we had insurance on it. And yeah. you always get comprehension as well as collision. Yeah. Comprehension is the theft part. And I'm glad I knew that ahead of time because I didn't <laughs> know that for very long. So we ended up getting like this massive amount. Of, we got almost $10,000 for this truck. We couldn't sell for 2000 because oh that was goodness. the value of it. I love the fact that your story of provision involves theft. <laughs> Like my truck was stolen. That's how God provided for us. <laughs> well, it's so funny. I know, but it's just kind of one of those things as part of when you're really trusting and you're not worried if your truck gets stolen because I did my heart yes. didn't worry. And yes. I know there's a time in my life that would have freaked me out. Mm. I would have, I, I would have lost time. And I don't mm. even think I was in the middle of my daughter getting married in the weeks that she did. So I ended up having a rental car. Yeah, and I could use it for my son to drive grandma to the wedding and just so many things worked out as part of yeah. this, this truck and um, the provision of God when we trust and not live in a state of worry because he is provider. 
mm-hmm. God provider. That's one of his names and um, trusting him in the Sabbath that we don't have to work seven days to get by. It really does reframe your mindset, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So anyway, I just love, I love that part of it. And that's kind of been, that's been part of our journey. My husband's an entrepreneur. And so we've had some really great years and some really lean years. It's been part of our journey of trust and uh, Mm -hmm. and our faith and seeing God as provider. I could see Mm -hmm. how, when you have an entrepreneurial mind, how difficult it must be to, to rest, to say, it's okay. I'm going to stop. And I'm going to just trust God with that provision, yeah. with that piece of it. I'm going to trust in his character. Right. Right. And he is who he says he is mm-hmm. and, and have that expectancy and not in a way, not in a greedy way, but just truly mm-hmm. in a rest. And it's the rest yes. part again. And I think that that Sabbath teaches our heart how to have that rest in God mm-hmm. and in the daily things. Yes. When you, when yes. you have put that as part of your mindset. And that just comes from practicing it week after week. So you mentioned that you guys have kind of stumbled through it. What kind of challenges have you found with practicing Sabbath for you guys personally? Um, Probably not going out shopping and buying things, which is really funny. No, I actually, I get what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys choose not to, to spend money on your Sabbath? Well, we did last Sunday, we went out and we bought this really cool antique mirror at this antique mall. And it was okay. really fun to go. And I, and I was like, and I was like feeling a little torn, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm spending money. I don't want to spend money on Sabbath because the people who work at the places where we spend money. And if I really want to create Sabbath culture, then I won't create a place where they're working. I know the Jewish people, okay. the ones who were wealthier, they would get a Gentile person to come and turn on and turn off their lights because they got real legalistic about it. Yes. Yeah. And that's not, and that is not the spirit of Sabbath. No. So, because that person they brought in, they were making them break Sabbath by doing the work that they thought they shouldn't do all along of the Sabbath was for all people. Yes. So because of that, wanting to honor that the Sabbath is for all people but I did spend money. You're not legalistic about it. That's the point here is that you have boundaries for yourself for Sabbath that you like to stay within. I call them guardrails. We have guardrails to help kind of like guide us in the way that we want to go for Sabbath. But sometimes we might have to make adjustments. Right. Week to week. And we have that freedom because it's not, it's not essential to our salvation. (laughs) Does your husband have a specific challenge when it comes to Sabbath? Oh yeah. Just not doing, not just, that's just not working. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. He just loves to do so many things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a question for you yeah. since you yeah. have older kids and you are like <laughs> on the other side of it, but you didn't start practicing Sabbath until recently. Right. What do you think things would have been different if you guys had practiced the Sabbath? Yeah, I do. I really do. That's why when I, we first popped on and I really admire what you're doing with your young families, my adult children, a few of them have started doing Sabbath on their own and they, oh, it's so cool. neat for them on their own that they've grasped that. But mm-hmm. we were, when my kids got in high school, um, my daughters in particular, they did club soccer Yes, and club soccer robbed her. We allowed it to rob really beautiful family time and yeah, they were great. 
one daughter, both of them ended up doing cross country and track and college with no money attached to it. <laughs> mm, oh, I was going to say, did so, they I mean, get scholarships? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the big, the big mm-hmm. pool that you have to do this. And I really, and I really, in the, I don't think it added near up the benefit for them. And it really took from our whole family to have part of us go away and spend a day in some horrible place while they played three hours of soccer and then drive two hours home. Mm. And that was the opposite of Sabbath. I mean, it just Mm. sucked the life out of our family. I'm sorry to them that we didn't have better leadership as parents. Um, We felt like we were doing, we were kind of like in the bubble of, you know, busy American culture with athletic kids and thinking we were serving them well. Mm. When And really it didn't, the money you spend for that, you could save and probably get a little further along with your college tuition and everything else than that magical scholarship of going maybe even to a school you don't want to go to because it's the only one you can play at instead of just going for your heart purpose. I don't know. The soccer didn't add up for us. Did your girls love it? Um, No, kind of. Maybe my one daughter did. Yeah, but I think they would have been okay if we would have made that boundary. And they still would have mm-hmm. got to play high school soccer and they could have played local club that didn't have the Sunday games. Yes, exactly. So I think there was alternatives that would have served them better. Um, it might've been a little bit of um, them feeling they weren't in the best club, you know, the ones their right. friends were in, but what are you teaching? You yeah. know, what are, what are we presenting? So, and then the robbing from the other kids that were, I had two girls and two boys. Um, mm. Yeah. And they all did things, but the, that club thing was a really, I felt like it was toxic for our family. Mm. So, yeah. It's not necessarily, you're saying like sports are bad. What you're yeah. saying is this particular way in which you engaged with sports stole a time of rest from your family. And you wish you had taught them how to rest rather than taught them how to be on a team that mm-hmm. traveled on the weekends and played a sport. Right. And, and the parents with um, the negativity toward their children, mm. you know, there were other things in it that I really could have, you know, I didn't do that with my kids, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I just pray, pray everybody didn't get hurt. You know, and <laughs> the guy and the guy next to me is screaming at his kid because they missed the ball. Anyway, that's a little bit off topic, but I do think making boundaries around your family, whatever it is, unless it was something the whole family did and you use that, I mean, you you picnicked and you created something around that. So Mm -hmm. that is very personal. And once again, not judging the way other people um, put their family and system together, but you have 18 little short years with these beautiful Mm -hmm. people, you know, your little people, 18 summers of vacation per child. And you know, that time is not very, that's not very many when you count. And it goes really fast. I know my oldest is 10 and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have less years with her than I've had with her. Yeah. Yeah. And that realization, I don't know what it was about. I think just, oh, she's a whole decade old. I've been a mom for a whole decade. Um, I think there was something in that, that just kind of like it, it really hit me this particular birthday that, oh, I don't have much time left with her. Double digits. Yeah. (laughs) Just enjoy her and just hang out with her and just be with her. And then also teach her the things that I think she needs to be taught, you know? Right. When they're teachable and they're young and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's fun too. Cause Sabbath could have been really fun to do with family. Like, so how is it fun for you? Are you finding it fun with your kids? Yes. So we do a, 
a Sabbath meal on Saturday evenings. And that's fun because my husband, uh, he's in charge of it. And oftentimes the kids are cooking with him or getting to pick what meal it is. And then we do a liturgical practice with it that includes communion. And I love that part of it because us doing it over and over and over again has created a rhythm and because they know what to expect and because our, our focus is centered during specifically just that portion of our Sabbath is focused around Jesus as our Sabbath rest, his sacrifice on the cross being our, you know, perfect provision. It's allowed for conversations to happen with our little ones. It's allowed them to ask questions just to dialogue, to talk back to us and process with us in a way that is safe and age appropriate. And, um, oftentimes they ask us to clarify things they've heard in children's church or wanna, but then also we're just talking about our weeks too, and reflecting on that. And so I really value that. Um, I think it's really allowed us to connect with our kids in a way that, um, I've realized they're thinking about things I didn't realize they're thinking about. And we rush through the week. It doesn't oftentimes give us that opportunity, but then the next, we do a couple other things too in our Sabbath, but mostly on Sunday afternoon, we just play. We'll go for a family walk. We'll do a family um, game time or something. We just, we just have a time of enjoyment on Sunday afternoon. And that's fun. Like you're saying one Sabbath, we went and saw ice sculptures in a downtown area nearby. You know, it's just like, you get to do those things. How cool is that to just get to enjoy either God's creation or things that have been created by other humans that you're like, Oh my goodness, look how God gifted them. And then now they've gone and created these ice sculptures, you know? Wow. That's really fun. I love, I love that so much. We did Passover when my kids were growing up, you know, which is once a year and we did every night dinner. I mean, that was one of the things we had dinner table, but, but I love the specific and the way you have um, the words that you put around that. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think the fact that setting aside a 24 hour period kind of was the game changer for us. It allowed it to be more than just, there was just a little bit more intentionality that has to happen with it. And it made it a little bit more special. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, my introvert kids probably would have actually started talking in the middle of it instead of, you know, it takes usually 12 hours to get a good conversation (laughs) in anyway. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, I could just keep talking to you, Nancy. I just, I love the fact that you guys have started practicing this and that you are working things out together and that you are looking at it and saying, okay, how can we, how can we just enjoy our time with each other, our time with God, our time with our family and, and just really connect and delight in the day and celebrate the day. I really do love the way that you're approaching it. And I love the fact that you are just honest about the fact that it's not perfect, that you are struggling (laughs) with things and you're figuring things out. And even the fact that like, this is what my ideal would be for Sabbath. And maybe I'm not hitting that ideal every week, but that's okay because it's about showing up. Yeah. 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 That's good. Thank you. Yeah. So before we close out our time together, I know you're a writer and I know that people need to go and read what you write because you have such width and a beauty to your writing. So where can people find you? 
So right now they can find me at Nancy Lerma on Facebook, and then they can find me at Nancy Jane Lerma on Instagram. And my website will be up soon. It's going to be called Nancy Jane Speaks. Okay. And from there, they'll find I'm working on a few book projects and hopefully they'll be done sooner than later. It takes a little longer than I realized, but I'd love to love to talk to anybody and connect with um, those who are listening and just encourage the young families. Right now, I'm committed to helping other um, moms, young moms, being a mentor mom. So anybody, anybody needing just encouragement, I would love to connect with you. And they can connect with you on Facebook and Instagram. Can they send you like a a DM on Instagram? Absolutely. Okay. And I'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes below. So um, definitely we'll do that. Um, Nancy, would you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah, I'd be, that'd be a pleasure to do that. Yeah. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you created Sabbath. I thank you that you have beautiful commandments that make our relationship, number one, close with you, to know you um, and to know each other and and have great relationships with our family, with our friends and our community. Thank you that your ways are perfect and that your way of Sabbath is a perfect thing, but we don't have to follow it in a way that makes us stressed out, but it does the complete opposite. It fills our cup. And I pray you... Fill the listeners' hearts with a desire that they want to practice Sabbath from their heart um, and that they have freedom to practice Sabbath and give each family an individual way what works for them. And thank you, Lord, that we can honor you in obeying the Sabbath and obeying you and your perfect law. Bless this podcast. Bless Rachel and her family in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And thank you so much, Nancy. Yeah, you're welcome. This conversation and um, having you on today's episode. Yeah. And thank you for listening in. Um, we'll meet back here next week as we continue to discuss what it means to observe Sabbath in a culture that is so enslaved to hustle and hurry. Bye. Hey, I just want to say thank you for joining me for today's conversation. I know many things demand your attention, and I don't take lightly the privilege it is to share your time. I want to make things as easy and simple for you, so I've linked to all the resources mentioned in the episode in the show notes. And you can always find the links and more helpful information on my website, www.rachelferenbach.com. As we say our goodbye, let me remind you that what we're talking about in this podcast is not just another thing to add to your to-do list. This is not another expectation for you to live up to. It is a gift outstretched from the hand of your creator, an invitation to press pause on walking alongside Jesus and all the things he's called you to do, and instead sit down across from him and just be with him. It is an invitation to simply Sabbath.